Hey guys, this is your host, Ryan Sebastian. Again, I do want to thank you for making this podcast a part of your day today. Man, I don't know about you, but this week has been a long week. Uh, just dealing with sickness. Uh, we've, in the past couple of weeks, my kids have been uh, struggling with the flu. Uh, and then after staying home with my oldest son, struggling with the flu, being sick, uh, then my wife uh, ends up having strep the weekend after. So it's been a long week just dealing with sickness, taking care of my family, uh, but at the same time juggling ministry and trying to get things done and need to get done. Um, so it's been a long week, but I'm excited about uh, what we're going to be talking about this week uh, on the podcast. Uh, we're going to be talking about a subject that I really feel like uh, a lot of people don't focus on in their ministries. I know I don't. Um, it's sad to say, but I don't focus on this in uh, my ministry like I should. And I'm because of that, I have not been effective in ministering to students and families as effectively as I could be. Uh, but before we dive into that, let's take a pause and listen to our sponsors. Youth and Culture is brought to you by Covenant Eyes. Coven Eyes is an online accountability and content blocking software for your mobile device or your computer designed to protect the entire family. Today, with 90% of boys and 70% of girls being exposed to pornography online and 56% of divorce cases listing porn use as a factor, it's more important than ever to protect your home. Click the link at the bottom of the show notes, sign up for Coven Eyes, and start protecting your home today. Have you ever had a student in your ministry who either struggles with some form of learning disability, a mental disability like Asperger's or bipolar? or a physical disability, uh, have you ever had these type of students in your ministry? And here's the next question I want to ask is, did you build a ministry around to where those students can thrive and grow in their faith? And have you Built a ministry that reaches and ministers to their families. Uh, to be honest with you, if I, if I had to answer those questions, I have 
absolutely failed in those areas a lot in my ministry. Uh, so what we're, we're going to talk about uh, this week is we're going to be talking about how to build a student ministry that reaches students with disabilities and reaches their families. Uh, so I'm very, very uh, excited and pumped up to be talking to uh, Jess Berryhill specifically about this topic of how we can be more effective in ministering to these students and their families. So stay tuned as we talk with Jess Berryhill. Well, guys, I am super excited about our guest today and also for the topic that we're going to be talking today. It's a topic that um, I think it's very important and to implement in youth ministries, and that's this topic of building a ministry around with special needs, disabilities, with learning disabilities, and how to minister to their families. Uh, so I'm really excited to be talking to Jess Berryhill about this topic. Uh, but Jess, for, for those who may not know who you are, how about you introduce yourself a little bit and your journey in ministry? Sure. Thanks, Ryan. Um, I am a youth pastor in Terre Haute, Indiana, which is sort of on the western edge of Indiana. And I... Um, serve as the youth pastor there. I also serve as the special needs ministry coordinator. So I have kind of a dual role, um, which is kind of fun. I also work at Chick-fil-A. Sometimes I'm the cow. Uh, so that's kind of fun, fun fact. Um, and I kind of fell into ministry in general. Um, I was going to grad school here at Indiana State and um, really felt like God was leading me in another direction. And so I'd kind of plugged into this church and then um, out of sort of that journey, I was able to um, just kind of discern that maybe God was leading me towards ministry. And um, that was back in 2011 and started in July. And the really crazy thing was that God was already starting kind of this journey even before I knew it. Um, as I entered into ministry here, I had a group of sixth graders who were, who were coming into my ministry that summer. And um, one of those sixth graders, his name is Nick, and he has autism um, and other developmental uh, disabilities. And he, um, he was a, it was a challenge. It was, I mean, it was a challenge. I was trying to figure out ministry in general. I was coming from uh, more of a secular program um, in my grad school work. And, and so trying to figure out ministry and then trying to figure out um, what it looks like to to serve and love someone with special needs. It, it was a huge shift. And I felt like I wasn't equipped. I felt like I was just really struggling to meet um, him where he was at and, and to show him Jesus. Um, and so we kind of limped along through that. Uh, for the first few years, so during his middle school years, and then, as you know, high school, it just it's just, there's the gap gets even bigger. Middle school, you can kind of do inclusion. There's a um, 
you know, with, especially with Nick, it was just a real struggle. Um, and so high school was kind of where we decided, okay, maybe this needs to look a little different. Um, and so that's kind of how out of our, out of our student ministry, we launched our special needs ministry. Um, and our student ministry kind of acted as an incubator for this, this new ministry we are launching. Yeah. The kind of, uh, even in my own ministry, I can, I've had a hard time figuring out the best ways to, uh, to minister and reach, uh, special needs students. Cause it, it is a whole different ball game of how do you minister to them? How do, how do you teach them? Cause they learn, they process information differently. Um, how do you, to making a game plan to actually making sure these kids are also growing in their faith and are also learning about Christ. So how, how do we implement these ministries and this in our ministries? And that's questions that I've dealt with because I've dealt with kids uh, with the same situation with dealing with um, autism, uh, dealing with Tourette's and some just different special needs. And even my own child, my, uh, my son, um, we're pretty sure that he has an auditory processing disorder. Um, uh, he hasn't been diagnosed, but he's in the process of getting, uh, possibly getting testing. And we think he's possibly dyslexic uh, to where he has a hard time reading and writing. And so even the way uh, we're, as parents, trying to teach my son and trying to help him learn is, is different. Uh, than the average kid, even even the way I sh- I'm sharing about Christ and sharing Bible stories, uh, and even that way for him learning is different. You can't just sit there and say something auditory. You have to learn. Uh, you have to gauge him on how he learns. Um, so you kind of answered uh, this the question that one student led you to to this special needs. But was there anything that that led you other than uh, this one student that maybe uh, helps you in this, this special needs area in your ministry? Yeah. So after we started ministering to Nick and, and we kind of figured out that maybe high school was going to be a hurdle. um, We started, um, we decided that it might be a good idea to have a small group for our students with special needs that met on the same night as our student ministry. So um, our students with special needs would meet with our teenagers and then we would um, have dinner together, which is our normal programming kind of shindig. And then we would do worship and then we would break out into our small groups just like we normally do. And they would have a small group and everyone else would have a small group. And so that worked really well. Um, and we honestly were pretty content with it being that small. <laughs> um, but God had different plans for that. And so um, from that, uh, we we did that for about a year and a half and it was, it was good. Um, we had, you know, six to eight kids who came and hung out with us on Wednesday nights, which was exciting. Um, and it was fantastic for our students to see that kind of overlap and kind of start to, um, step out into what it looks like to love someone with special needs. Um, so that crossover was fantastic. Um, but I will tell you, we are small, smaller church. So we're a church of about 400. Um, and so for me as a leader, kind of organizing both of those groups on a Wednesday night and managing those and managing the volunteers, it was, it was a lot. 
And so we made the shift to switch to a different night, um, which allowed our students, our middle school and high school students to come over as volunteers, um, which was a huge win, I think. Um, and then our um, special needs, our students with special needs, um, we were able to kind of tailor that program a little bit, programming a little bit more to what they needed. Um, so because of that switch, um, it's sort of called reverse inclusion. Um, it's kind of meeting everyone where they need to be met. Um, not that we would, if a student walked into our student ministry, we would definitely um, make that happen the best we possibly could. But uh, that, that programming is, is radically different because our students with special needs, they need different things. Um, so we do our small group Bible study, but we also work on life skills. So um, we'll do like a crockpot club and um, kind of be able to help them get those skills that they need. And so what we realized is we're kind of their after school programming. Like there's really nothing in our rural community for them. And so we're really meeting a niche, um, which is, which is really cool. Um, and the fact that sort of our student ministry was the, was the starting point for that has also meant that our students have taken ownership over that ministry in a way that I can't even describe. Um, you can go on mission trips all day, but I have never seen the heart change that happens when my students um, engage with our friends with special needs. It just, um, it changes them in a way, um, makes them more compassionate, makes them more understanding. Uh, it's been such a fantastic win. Um, and it's really been driven by our students, which is such, it's just a really cool thing. So, yeah, I think that's really neat and, and cool to hear about your students serving in that realm uh, within your ministry. I think that's awesome. Uh, the reason why I think it's, that's phenomenal is because students do a better job of reaching students. And also students that are serving, uh, their faith grows at a different level uh, than when they're just sitting there coming to programming, just sitting in a small group. Uh, there's a difference when it comes to serving and serving in their ministry um, and that capacity than just sit, showing up and leaving on a giving programming night. So I think that's great. And I think that's awesome. Uh, I know this question. Of course, you know the answer to this question as well. But just in case those who are listening who may not have any type of ministry to really focus on special needs, why is it important for youth leaders to build their ministry in order to minister to special needs students and their families? Yeah, it's absolutely probably one of the most underreached populations in the church today. Um, it's so easy just to look over it and just not think it really matters, but it does. Um, our families and our students are hungry for Jesus. And so, when we choose to kind of kind of put that to the side or ignore it, um, man, they're missing out on Christ, which is, which is a huge thing. Um, I think about the story in the Bible where um, the friends lowered, uh, lowered their friend through the roof to Jesus. And I think in some ways, like that's the calling that we all have, that the goal is to um, create collisions with Jesus for all people. Um, and so I, that's, that's been our call. That's why it's been important to us. Um, but 
I think, like I said before, I think the impact that it has on both parties is, is just huge. Like my students um, are impacted, but then one of my students, one of my college students, um, who was a former student, she made a comment that just really um, stuck out to me. She said, one of, uh, she was talking about Bailey, one of our students, and she said, Bailey used to come here for community, but now she comes here for Jesus because she knows that that community is, is, is going to be there regardless. She can see beyond that need and, and see her need for Jesus. And, and what an incredible, insightful um, kind of observation. But I think that's the goal is to create community so that people can come to know Jesus. Um, and if we don't do that, we miss so much. Um, we miss um, the hard questions that our friends ask. So I remember sitting in a small group um, with a group of our uh, students and adults, and, and I said, okay, guys, if Jesus was right here, what's a question that you would ask him? And I remember one of my friends, Jana, she spoke up and she said, I would ask him why I can't walk. And I thought, of course, like, that's a totally legit question. That's, that's where you're at. And um, to be able to say, Jana, I don't know why um, you can't walk, but I do know that I don't see you. I don't see that as being the sum of who you are and who God created you to be. Um, that's maybe a part of that, but that's not the total picture. Um, and so being able to affirm our friends and to be able to say, like, you have value in the kingdom um, and you have a role that no one else can play, that is, um, it's empowering for them. Uh, and so just to see that kind of play out has been just really, really cool um, and just a, a real blessing to my life. It, it's, this journey has never been something that I had planned. Um, it was never something that was on my list of things, goals, but um, as I've stepped into it, it's, there is no place I'd rather be than serving kind of in this dual role. But one, one point that you, that you made um, throughout, you're making throughout all this is, and I think it's phenomenal. And, I, and we mentioned, talked about it a little bit earlier, and I just want to kind of hit on it again, is the fact that students are jumping board on this. Um, now when it comes to students jumping board, uh, how did, did you create an environment where they, where students were seeing this need and get passionate about it? How, how did that, how did that go about when the students were jumping on board? Yeah. So early on, we, um, we sort started to make it a priority, um, in what we were doing. So, um, that included like when we went on mission trips, we told the, told the companies that we worked for or that we were going through that this was a priority for us, that the, our church was trying to become a church that was known for our special needs ministry and known for our outreach to those with disabilities. And so we said that and we said, if there's any opportunity that we can um, serve with um, people with disabilities, we would love to do that. And so we did that. Our first, our, our second time we went to Guatemala, we said that, and we got connected with an incredible organization. Um, and so I think we have to be able to advocate for opportunities for our students to see that even beyond the church, 
so that when a student shows up with Down syndrome or autism or whatever, that the, our students aren't freaked out about it, aren't, um, aren't standoffish, that they are like, they're equipped, they're ready. And so we did that. We served at, there's a really cool camp called Camp Artibus in uh, Missouri that we served at, um, which was a great launch pad for our students. Um, so finding those outlets uh, to serve, even maybe before you have any special needs students in your, in your ministry, that's huge. Like that's a, that's a proactive step that we can be taking to say, okay, we don't have anyone right now, but this is a priority. And so we're going to make that a priority in the ways we serve in the ways we give all the things. So does that make sense? Absolutely. Um, even as we're, as we're having this, this discussion, uh, one thing that that's popping in my mind, uh, even in my, my ministries, I have, we have a staff kid, uh, in our, who is autistic. He's more high function autistic. Uh, but with, and when I'm learning from, um, or other, other staff member here and, and, and where I'm learning about the parents is, is how to minister to him. Cause he's going to be entering, entering my ministry within the next year. And I'm just sitting there strategizing. How can I be better equipped to minister to someone who with autism? Because the reality is, is autism is becoming more, more prominent uh, in our culture. And we can have, and people can have the argument what causes it and all that. But the reality is we're seeing more of it uh, being diagnosed and more kids struggling uh, with this type of disability. Um, and again, like I said, I'm, uh, I'm seeing more other disabilities happening, going through our student ministry and building us and striving to learn strategies to minister to them um, has been difficult. Um, it has been difficult to figure out how, how to build a ministry, how to minister the parents effectively. So this topic to me is extremely, extremely important. Uh, so, so for those of us who may be listening, who understand this, we're hearing this, that, that we know this is important, uh, but we don't understand exactly how to get to that point to where we're effectively ministering to these students and their families. What are some strategies for youth leaders to minister to special needs students and their families? What are some strategies to be better equipped? Yeah. So I think one of the strategies is you alluded to is understanding who's coming down your pipeline, who's coming, who's going to be here in one year, who's going to be here in two years, who, who may have a special need or who may have a disability and, and planning ahead. That's huge. Like if that's like the biggest thing, I would say plan ahead. Like, you know, if you have someone, you know, is coming into your ministry, then have those conversations a year and a half out, have those conversations six months out and say, and, and ask the parents, um, don't just guess, just ask them and say, Hey, what do you want your students, student ministry experience to look like? What do you, what do you hope they gain from this? Um, and have, and, and what are some of the challenges that we might be able to, um, expect or what are some of the things that your student just loves? Um, and if you can, anchor onto those things from the get-go that's going to be a like you're going to be so much further ahead in the in this process than um than otherwise um i think there's some really easy things that you can do um so i know we like to have have the hype 
Um, so loud, loud noises, loud music. But for some students, that's overwhelming. Um, and sometimes I even wonder if that's not overwhelming for a lot of our, our typical students that just um, the, there's so much noise in general um, in our lives. And so maybe just toning it down might be a good step. Um, toning the environment down just a, just a tad or providing headphones or um, uh, we have a cart, a sensory cart that is able to travel from room to room. And so we use that. Um, there's super easy things to get on Amazon um, that are che fairly cheap. Um, those things can be super helpful. Um, our, our typical students love, we have a, a small sensory room and our typical students love that room because it is, it's just calming and it's a nice space just to be in and chill. Um, and so I think that's been one of the things that I didn't, wasn't expecting is that um, it's kind of, it's, it's okay to, to normalize those spaces and say, you know what, if you need that space, go ahead and use it. Um, some of them use it for homework. Some of them use it just to kind of sit after a busy day. Um, and those are our typical students. So uh, that's really cool when you can kind of make those spaces not, not something that one student needs, but that is open to everyone. Um, I think, uh, I know you mentioned uh, potentially a diagnosis with your son of dyslexia. There's a, there's a font um, that makes it a little bit easier for uh, those students to read. Um, it has more defined letters. And so that would be a step that if you have a student with a learning disability, um, can, can I print this off in a different font? Or is, are the Bibles I'm using just maybe not the best um, format for that? And so asking those questions is huge. And I think when we start asking those questions, we get into deeper questions. Um, that's what I found is that when we ask the basic questions of accessibility and what does it take to teach someone and, and, and show someone, we get into deeper questions like, what's this kid's life going to look like after youth ministry? And so I think planning on the front end is super important, but planning on the back end is just as important. How am I going to transition this kid? out of youth ministry and keep them plugged into the church um, and keep them, uh, you know, sustained with purpose and all the things. And so I think that's hugely important as well, that conversations need to be happening on the back end uh, to say, is this kid going to transition out at 18? Because um, a lot of kids don't graduate until they're 21, uh, 22. And so is this kid going to be able to stay? throughout that that period as long as they're in high school um, those are kind of some of the conversations that come up as you start to um, engage with students with special needs um, in terms of just reaching parents I think understanding the journey is is the the biggest hurdle um, we educate ourselves on you know cell phones and all the things that are important to teenagers but what's important to a family with special needs um, well, Medicaid waivers, I mean, like those things sound, that sounds really like not important to us as, as maybe church people, but it is so important to our families that maybe we understand the system and the process of, of what a, a family is going through. Um, what's it like to be in an IEP meeting? What's it like to, to handle the stress of managing like case managers and behaviorists and all the ther therapies that they have to do? And so understanding the journey is probably 
the best tool that you're going to have um, to ministering to those families. Because if you begin to get it, then they know you care. Um, and so those are probably the, the easiest things that I can think of in terms of making your, you know, your environments and your ministry more effective towards those families. No, that's, that's absolutely great. Um, and for anyone who's listening, this area of ministry, I, I, I feel like it's not spoken and talked about enough. Uh, dealing with special needs. If, and I'm not saying it's not out there. Um, I just don't hear of it. Uh, I don't hear of it at breakout sessions, at co- uh, conferences really hitting this issue. I don't see much books in youth ministry realms touching on this, this topic and this issue. Um, because the reality of it, it is, it's a growing, it's a growing problem. Because uh, even in my own context where I am, I am located at, we have the one of the uh, highest drug rates in our state. We have high crime, high drugs, and and most of my kids, their parents are drug addicts or they've been in, in dabbling in drugs themselves. And with drugs, the outpour of that and the result of of family in, engaged in this type of activity is is disabilities, uh, whether it's a bipolar disorder. Um, sometimes autism is a result of a major drug use and all these things. And so I deal with this more in my context, uh, with disabilities that's because it's tied into high drug use, uh, among our community. Uh, but this period is growing more and more as psychology and research has become as grows as well and understanding uh, these disabilities, because the reality is autism wasn't a big thing in the 80s and before. It, it really wasn't a big thing, even a little bit in the 90s. Uh, towards the end of the 90s, you're seeing more of understanding of autism, and and especially the early 2000s, you're really seeing some stuff coming out about autism. And that's the same thing with other research. As better research comes out, um, there's a better understanding of these type of disorders. Um, so knowing how to minister to these students and help them grow in their faith and their families as well is so important, so vital that every single one of us in ministry as a whole, and especially youth ministry and even children's ministry, really need to focus on and implement uh, in our ministries. Uh, so, so Jess, if somebody wanted to get in contact with you to talk more about this topic and how to maybe implement this in their own ministries, what is the best way to get in contact with you? So my email is jessberryhill at gmail.com. Super easy. Um, that's probably the best way. You can shoot me an email and I'll try to do my best to answer questions. Um, obviously can come up with some, maybe some resources, but you're exactly right. Is that there's really nothing, nothing out there. There's not a ton. Um, I shouldn't say there's nothing. There's more than there was when I started this back in the day. And so, um, just know that like, you're not alone in the questions that you may have. Um, and the more, uh, student ministry people who get on board with this, hopefully the more resources, resources we end up with, um, and the more collaboration we can do. Um, but until we start talking about that, we don't get that fruit of that later. No, absolutely. So Jess, I just want to thank you for 
taking your time out and come on the podcast today. Yeah, thanks for having me. Appreciate it. If there's one thing that I can walk away with with this conversation, it's it's this is to be prepared and think ahead. Look at what students are about to come up within your ministry within the next few years. Um, are these kids dealing with disabilities? And go ahead and make connections with those parents so you can go ahead and know exactly how to meet these kids' spiritual needs and the needs of their families. Uh, that's one thing over time that I'm learning to do. Again, I'm not, I'm not perfect. I struggle with this just as much as some of you struggle with this. But I'm learning to think ahead strategically of how to better minister to these kids before they even enter into my ministry. Uh, I am excited about some things that are going to be happening to the podcast here uh, in the next upcoming weeks. Uh, And next week, we have a big announcement of some of those changes that I'm excited about uh, to help us as a podcast to be more effective in ministering to you um, as, a, as a youth leader and, and to help you a little bit better in some areas and also to, uh, to be honest with you, to even help me uh, be better as a youth leader as well. So I'm excited about some of these changes that are going to be happening. So you definitely do not want to miss next week's episode.